So they have bounced back. A phenomenal turnaround from the Swans. And they find themselves in the eight after the round. Can you believe it? Because their season looked done and dusted. Now they've got some players back. And with the season being very, very even, the window has been open and they've cashed in. And they're currently sitting in eighth and looking to go even higher. So the Swans remaining a real threat. Their match uh, with GWS shapes up to be an absolute cracker. Um, that one is not to be missed. The uh, the next match there are the traditional rivals, Collingwood and Essendon. Uh, Essendon getting the job done, 18-9, 1-17 to Collingwood, 12-8-80. They were destroyed again, and Collingwood uh, languishing in 15th position on the ladder. And coach Nathan Buckley surely, surely is now in real danger of uh, losing his position. He cannot seem to find any answers at all. And to be perfectly honest, the bottom line is this. The list is just not up to it. They really aren't. They drop off. Uh, their top-tier players drop way off. Um, their bottom six compared to their, uh, their top six. There is a big gap there. And everything in between is just very, very, very poor. And uh, Buckley... When he, uh, when he got on board and, and was handed over the position after the Mick Malthouse era, he's had every opportunity to pick whatever players that, that he sees fit in terms of his game plan and for the Collingwood future. And they've just gone the wrong way about it. They've got a bunch of players there now that are just not up to it. And uh, when you are recruiting players such as Jesse White to come in and be a key forward uh, and to kick your 50, 60 goals each year, and then you're wondering why he can't get the job done and why he's languishing in the VFL and not providing you any value, well, you've got nothing but yourself to blame. And Collingwood sit 15th and are going to miss out on finals once again because they've just made diabolical and shocking personnel decisions in regards to their list. Their list management has been atrocious, basically the worst in the entire AFL, especially for a club, a massive Melbourne club, such as Collingwood, with all the resources that they have. And there's absolutely no excuse why they are where they are. And a team like Essendon put them to the sword on the weekend. And you can put, put, a, uh, put a dagger through the coffin of the Collingwood Football Club because they are in free fall and they will not be taking part in finals again. And it's a long way back uh, for Collingwood Football Club moving forward. Next match on the agenda was Fremantle and uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos. And Paul Goldstein had a shot after the siren to win the game. And goal kicking, a real issue in the AFL. Um, I truly believe that they need to be employing professional goal kickers um, that come in there full time to teach goal kicking, technique, mechanics, uh, breathing, routine, all these things because the kicking's never been worse in the AFL and it's time the clubs got on board with this um, because in order to win games, you've got to kick goals through the big sticks. If you don't do that, it's very hard to win games and with the season being so tight and a lot of tight games throughout this, uh, throughout this campaign, throughout this season, uh, such small margins and the most basic skill in the game is kicking a drop punt through the goals, through the big sticks in order to score points to win the game. This is basic football, Australian Rules Football 101. And sides being stubborn and not spending the money 
in their football departments to bring on full-time professional goal-kicking coaches is absolutely ridiculous, and I do not understand why this is. And Goldstein's effort after the siren was pathetic. There's no doubt about that. And it's really embarrassing, to be perfectly honest, a skillful All-Australian ruckman such as Goldstein, and he never gave it a chance. He, uh, he hooked that uh, terribly, and it cost the Kangaroos the four points, and Fremantle get the victory. And um, it's just another perfect example of the skills uh, in terms of the goal kicking, not up to where they need to be, and changes need to be made there. And the Kangaroos, um, where to from here? Um, they're struggling once again financially. They're struggling on the field with their product, and they're struggling off the field with the support and membership. And where they go from here is anybody's guess. But Fremantle sneaking over the line against North Melbourne there on the weekend. So the Melbourne Demons find themselves in fifth position, the resurgent Demons, and they fought out a classic tough contest at the MCG yesterday against Carlton. It was Melbourne 14-690 to Carlton 12-10-82, and the game was in the balance uh, with a couple of minutes left. And Melbourne were able to find a way and hold on. And Carlton, even though they lose this one and they languish down the bottom half of the, the ladder, they've been highly competitive this year. And Brendan Bolton has the Blues on track for the first time in more than a decade. It looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel. He's playing a lot of the young draftees, a lot of the kids, and they're showing lots of potential. And they're not getting blown out or smashed as they have in the past. And Carlton with two or three extra wins with some of these close contests, okay, things will be looking a lot better. But there is, uh, there is plenty of positivity to, uh, to take on board with the Blues. Um, they've got plenty of young talent, and uh, that was on display again there yesterday, but it was the more experienced, bigger bodies of Melbourne that held on, and they're in fifth position. And they're mounting plenty of momentum for a September uh, assault uh, on the top four and possible premiership as well. I don't think they are... A, a premiership contender, uh, in my opinion, but there has been some pundits out there that think that, hey, listen, uh, playing their best footy and having their best list available come finals time, injury-free, um, that they can do some serious damage and they're going to have some of the, the power clubs such as GWS and the Adelaide Crows looking over their shoulder. So they snuck over the line yesterday and the match of the round, which I thought, which I want to talk about on No Holds Barred, was uh, St Kilda and Richmond. What is going on there at Punt Road? Uh, they were in fourth position before uh, before the game, but St Kilda put these guys to the sword, and it was very, very ugly for the Tigers. Uh, it was Richmond 21-12-138 to Richmond 10-11-71, and this thing was over by half-time. It, it got out to over 90 points uh, at stages there through the second quarter, and uh, Richmond were never in it from there. It was always going to be... Secured by how much, and the resurgent Saints uh, are looking like a, to be a real finals contender uh, come come September. Who would have thought that at the start of the year? Because uh, they were languishing down the bottom there um, not long ago as well. But they've turned it around, and Richmond it's back to the drawing board. It's one that they've got to throw out the window. Um, basically, just forget about that one there. They were smashed in the in the clearances in the 60 point thrash, 67 point thrashing, uh, and it was the St Kilda. Their manic ball movement and their, their speed and their excellent spread, uh, which left Richmond looking slow and really uh, scratching their heads looking for answers. Um, Richmond dropped from fourth to sixth 
after the uh, after the match and St Kilda into seventh position, and uh, Saints supporters have got a lot to be a uh, lot to be happy with. Um, Tim Membry kicked five goals for the Saints. He looked dangerous. Nick Rewalt, he turned back the clock, took 12 marks against Alex Rance, uh, kicked three goals too. He had a night out. Great to see uh, Nick uh, have such a solid performance in such a big game. Uh, Josh Bruce kicked two goals, five, so he didn't have his kicking boot on. But if he had a kick straight, the score would have been worse than that. Sebi Ross had 33 posies, 33 possessions. He's gone from strength to strength. He's gone next level. He's turning into an elite midfielder. Jackie Stephen had 33 possessions. Uh, he's arguably their best midfielder week in, week out. And Lee Montagna turned back the clock too with 31 possessions. Um, so they dominated around the ball. They dominated all over the ground with their speed and their aggression and their confidence. And Richmond were left scratching their head looking for answers. And they need to bounce back quickly. Perhaps the Dustin Martin contract talks, they're dragging on. And maybe that's starting to become a bit of an issue uh, down there at Punt Road, down there at Tigerland. You know, they've got about a million dollars a year on the table for Dustin Martin. And, you know, people are wondering, like, why don't you just sign it? Just sign the deal. Get on with it. Richmond have been good to you. Uh, they're a big Melbourne club. You're not going to get much more than that anywhere else. Um, so, you know, maybe the, the contract negotiations are starting, starting to take their toll. And, you know, he's probably better off just signing the deal. Uh, putting it to bed, uh, and then basically getting on with the football because there was a no-show there uh, on Saturday night. He was nowhere to be seen, and uh, he was exposed, and <clears throat> Richmond need to focus on what they need to focus on, and the Dustin Martin contract needs to be taken care of, or uh, there might be more pain moving forward for Richmond. Yeah, I know, I know. So Dustin Martin... Possibly needs to put the contract uh, the contract talks aside, sign the deal, get on with it so Richmond can get on with their season because I think it's having an effect on the way they go about it uh, as a club. And St Kilda smashed the Tigers there over the weekend. And Richmond are much better than that and they need to bounce back quickly um, and get the Dustin Martin situation sorted out. Ending speculation, lock him away and uh, make an assault on September. This is No Holds Barred. Jeez, how about Collingwood? Jeez, they're in some trouble. Buckley, surely he's got to go. He's got to go. He said... Total control of that whole operation since he come on board. I actually rate him, but he just can't. He's not getting it done. He's not getting it done. Anyway, we're going to segue on to some NBA basketball. We've got a few things to talk about here on today's show here at No Holds Barred. I'm going to start off with another crazy. Incredible NBA contract over the weekend. James Harden re-signed with the Houston Rockets. Wait for it, folks. Wait for it. $228 million. A four-year extension for the Houston Rockets, for James Harden. 
and that deal will start in the 2019-2020 season. He still has two years remaining on his current deal, but the Houston Rockets have pulled the trigger on that one. $228 million, uh, the highest the highest recorded contract in NBA history. And uh, James Harden will be swimming in cash over the next five seasons there with the Houston Rockets. So incredible numbers, incredible numbers. And it has caused absolute, an absolute uproar over there in the States. Um, just some of these contracts getting thrown around. Absolutely out of this world. But in terms of that, we're going to talk about the... We're going to segue on to the Boston Celtics. And we all know about Gordon Haywood joining the Celtics uh, as a free agent. We spoke about his deal um, on the previous couple of, couple of programs here at No Holds Barred. But the, the Boston Celtics have had to give up some players to fit Haywood into the salary cap and... The players that they've given up, they've given, had to give up. They've moved on Kelly Olenek, their best big guy, six foot eleven, uh, to the Miami Heat. Uh, he's there, one of their better rebounders and better defensive players, a, a shot blocking presence. So they've had to move Olenek uh, off to the Miami Heat, and they've also moved on Avery Bradley to the to, to the Detroit Pistons to make room for Haywood. Now, Avery Bradley was their second best scorer at seventeen point five points per game. Can hit the outside shot, but he's also their best defensive player. And they've moved him onto Detroit in order to fit Haywood in onto their roster, into their cap. So that leaves the Boston Celtics with a possible starting five of five foot eight Isaiah Thomas. They've got the youngster Jalen Brown, the second year, the second year uh, pro out of college. Gordon Haywood at the shooting guard at the small forward position, Jay Crowder and Al Horford. And if you look at that starting five there, and then you're going to have Marcus Smart off the bench. You can't shoot. You can't shoot a lick. You can't hit the outside shot. Either can Jalen Brown. You kind of look at their lineup and go, "Hey man, that team's not beating Cleveland. That that's uh, is that even an upgrade to where they were at last year?" A slight upgrade with Haywood in there. But you've got to give up Avery Bradley, your best defensive player, and your second best scorer at 17.5 points a game in order to fit him in. And Jalen Brown's going to move into the shooting guard position. He can't shoot the three-pointer. Yeah, he's athletic and looks good, you know, on the perimeter. He looks good slashing to the ring, throwing it down, getting to the bucket. But he can't shoot. And this is a shooter's league now. And your best guy off the bench, Marcus Smart, he can't shoot either. So, you know, the Boston Celtics, Danny Ainge, I mean, they got their man, but they've had to give up quite a bit. It would have been much better to be able to keep Avery Bradley and have Haywood as well. That's a, that's, that's a major upgrade. That's a side that could give Cleveland trouble. I still think Cleveland wins that series. But Avery Bradley now is in Detroit one of the best defensive players in the league at his position and can give you 18 a game. Jalen Brown can't shoot. Marcus Smart can't shoot. And Jay Crowder, well, he can't stop LeBron. So, so you've got to be careful who you give up. 
because Avery Bradley was a huge piece to that Boston Celtics team. This is why I said last week that you've got to get on the phone. You've got to go. You've got to be calling New York. You've got to go get Porzingis if you're the Celtics. If you're Ainge, you go and get Kristaps Porzingis because an NBA starting lineup of Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Brown can't shoot a lick. Haywood, yep, nice piece, good player. Jay Crowder struggles. Al Horford, inconsistent, injury-prone. And Marcus Smarts, your best player off the bench, can't shoot. You know, you play in the East, yeah, you're going to win a lot of games, but you ain't scaring LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers with that. You ain't, you ain't beating the, the Cavaliers with that. No way in the world. And this, is, this continues to be a dilemma for Boston. It's like they're right back where they started. Angel's got all these draft picks, and he's like, yeah, our future looks bright, our future looks bright, we've got Haywood. But you've given up Olenek, and you've given up Bradley, and I don't think you're any better. Maybe slightly. Maybe slightly. But that's not going to get it done against the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. So the Celtics, man, pick up the phone, call the Knicks. What can we give up for Porzingis? We'll give you four first-rounders and Jay Crowder. It's just, uh, it just blows my mind, We're just really, with Danny Ainge and the Celtics, you know, Cleveland, they're not concerned at all. They're not worried. LeBron's not worried about this. They need more. They need more pieces. But the Summer League is going on. And some exciting action over the weekend. Some concerns for Philadelphia. Their pro- number one pick, Marquise Fultz, has done an ankle injury. He's done a, it looks like a bad one there. He tweaked that ankle and the injury curse has struck Philadelphia again. Uh, he was helped from the floor. And I don't think he'll be taking any further part in the Summer League because they want to wrap their prize recruiting cotton wool. So bad news there for the Sixers. But good news for the Los Angeles Lakers. Hollywood is back. And we're bringing you Lon's Watch here on No Holds Barred. Lonzo Ball had a triple-double, 11 points, 11 dimes, and 11 rebounds in a clinical performance. He was flashy. He saw the floor. He set up his teammates a couple of no-look passes, some killer crossovers, and Lon's ball was back from a terrible shooting night in his NBA Summer League debut. And uh, the excitement was back. The crowd, just when this guy uh, walks into the arena, you know, a, a sold-out arena, a full house, and the oohs and the ahs coming from the crowd when Lon's ball got the ball, whether he was crossing someone over or he was dishing off a no-look assist, a no-look dime, a no-look pass... Uh, it was Entertainment Plus, and that's what this youngster brings to the table. Uh, so an exciting, uh, an exciting bounce-back game from Lonzo Ball. As I said, a triple-double, and uh, great to see the youngster bounce back after, uh, well, you know, wouldn't say a disastrous first game. It was, uh, let's just say it was an educational first game for, for Lonzo Ball with his uh, Pro League summer debut. But exciting, uh, exciting game. Um, very, very good to see. And the Summer League goes from, goes from strength to strength. Um, and uh, that, was, uh, you know, that was exciting for Los Angeles Lakers 
fans. But coming up next on No Holds Barred, we're going to talk Wimbledon. That was rest day, the traditional day of Sunday rest. And Roger Federer needed a rest after his performance in the previous round against Misha Zverev. He looked patchy. Uh, there were some concerning signs there if you're a Federer fan. We're going to bring you all the results from Saturday's matches. And we're going to talk about tonight's matchups. They're into the last 16 there at Wimbledon. They're into the fourth round. We're going to talk about the matchups, who's expected to go through, and what to expect. This is No Holds Barred. My drinks, my only remedy for pain of losing family. But while I'm gone, shorty, everything is going to be So that Lon's ball performance, what a way to bounce back, huh? What a way to bounce back. Good on you, young fella. Well done. Great to see. Exciting times for Lakers basketball. We're going to bring you some Wimbledon here at No Holds Barred. We're into the latter part of the show here. We're finishing up with at the All England Club here at the Championships. Results from... Saturday's matches, I mentioned Roger Federer there earlier on. He played Misha Zverev, the left-handed German, and it was Federer, 7-6, 6-4, 6-4, in a quite of a scrappy affair. Zverev is an unorthodox player, comes to the net, serve and volleyed, and Federer barely did enough to get through. He looked like he lacked a little bit of firepower, Federer, off the ground. Uh, there's been some rumours going around that he's... Feeling a little bit under the weather, flu-like symptoms. He did enough to get through, but he's got to go next level um, because the draw gets extremely tough um, for someone, in, even in Federer's, even in Federer's uh, class and uh, and ability. So uh, he got through in straight sets. Next up for him, Grigor Dimitrov. We'll talk more about that soon. Novak Djokovic defeated uh, Ernest Gulbis, 6'4", 6'1", 7'6". Gulbis took out Del Potro. We did speak about that. And um, he gave uh, Novak some trouble there at times, but just too inconsistent off the deck, Gulbis. He's got a, a revamped forehand, um, which is an effective shot. And uh, he gave Novak some trouble there in the, in the third set. But Novak, too steady from the baseline, and Gulbis a little bit too erratic, but a good good performance from Ernest. Uh, he's uh, he's looking to get back on the main tour and, uh, you know, move back up the rankings and fulfil his potential because he's a top-ten talent. You know, will he will he reach those heights? Probably not, no. He's probably too crazy for his own good and uh, too inconsistent, but it was an entertaining match nonetheless. Milos Raonic, the Canadian, beat uh, the Spaniard Ramos, 7-6, 6-4, 7-5. Milos has been sneaking under the radar here at this Wimbledon, the former finalist, and uh, he's through to the fourth round. Uh, he plays Alexander Zverev in round four. That should be a beauty. Dominic Team defeated the young American Donaldson, 7-5, 6-4, 6-2. Dominic Team performing well on the grass. It's his least favourite surface, uh, but he had too much firepower for the young American. A good good performance from the 20-year-old uh, uh, player from stateside. Uh, his best result so far really at slam level. Uh, expect to see more of him, but he's, uh, he's, uh, he was outclassed by team. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Zverev, new, newly uh, crowned top 10 player in the world, defeated the Austrian Ofner. 
Um, know a little about him, but it was 6-4, 6-4, walk in the park for Zverev. Uh, he moves on to take on Raonic. I think he starts favouring that one there. I expect Big Alexander to get through. Um, there was an upset on the men's, men's side there. Big Sam Query beat Joe Wilfred Songer in a five-set uh, barn burner. 6-2-3-6-7-6-1-6-7-5. And Joe Wilfred Songer, disappointing loss there as he goes out. He was probably the most impressive player outside of Nadal in the early parts of this event. Uh, but he is out of the tournament. Query moves through. Great win for the American. Thomas Burditch beat David Ferrer 6-3, 6-4, 6-3. Burdich moves through to play Dominic Team. Should be a ripper in uh, in round four in the last 16. And my boy Grigor Dimitrov over Duty Seller, 6-1, 6-1. And Seller pulled the pin on that one there. Was clearly getting blown away. And uh, he retired hurt there. Not sure what the injury was, but clearly Dimitrov was putting him to the sword. Um, so some interesting results there. Uh, we're down to the last 16, and we've got some marquee matchups starting from tonight from uh, the All England Club. We're going to get in there and talk about a couple of these uh, to round out the show. As I mentioned before, Federer's draw is probably the toughest out of any of the remaining players. He's got uh, Grigor Dimitrov in the last 16. He is five wins and no losses against Grigor, but Grigor is playing phenomenal tennis. And Federer needs to be at his best if he's going to get through. Federer wins that one. He plays the winner of the Rayanich-Zverev match. Then a possible Novak semi-final and a possible Nadal final. So a similar similar draw that he had down there in Australia at the Australian Open. Um, and it is, uh, it's only going to get more explosive and more exciting from this point forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned for Roger. Definitely concerned. He looked scratchy against Verev, and that's a heavyweight draw that he's got to get through just to make the final, to have Nadal waiting for him. Nadal's looked the most impressive. So, big challenge there for Roger. We'll see if he's up to it. But the matchups tonight from Wimbledon, we're going to start with Novak Djokovic versus uh, Manorino from France. This one should be quick. Uh, Manorino... Somehow found a way to beat Gail Monfils in the last round in five sets. Bad loss there for Gail. And Novak should make very, very light work of Manorino. I'd be surprised if Manorino was to win more than nine games in that one. The Dominic team versus Thomas Burdich one. Uh, I give Burdich the slight edge due to his uh, experience and um, match results on grass. Uh, a former Wimbledon finalist. And uh, that one should be a tight contest, but I expect Thomas to get through. Great, great performance from team. He's got the firepower to trouble Thomas, but I expect uh, I expect British to get through just based on uh, grass court experience. Uh, Milos Raonic versus Verev. Raonic will go into this as the favourite, but I'm calling Alexander Zverev. I'm calling him to get the job done here in this one. I've got him going deep into this event. I think it's only a matter of time before he wins a slam and breaks through, and. I think uh, it's his time now, and I think uh, I think he will find a way to beat the big Canadian tonight. Marin Cilic versus the Spaniard, Batista Agut. I think Cilic has too much firepower on the grass uh, for Agut to trouble him. Uh, so I expect big Marin to get through there probably in four sets. Sam Querrey and Kevin Anderson is a 50-50 bet, both with big serves. Uh, I'd probably give the advantage to, uh, to Querrey. 
But he did go five with Songer, so the physical test and the and the wear and tear on his body may come into the may come into the equation. And with this one here, Anderson had his, has had a a pretty mediocre season thus far, all over the last twelve to eighteen months, and this is his best result in in a long time. Um, but I'm banking on Query uh, to get over the line there against Anderson, and top seed Andy Murray has uh, scratched his way to the to the fourth round. He plays the crazy Frenchman Benoit Pair. And uh, expect Murray to get through that one there. But Pear does have the game to give uh, Murray some headaches. Murray, especially with Murray being uh, having some niggling injuries and he, his form has not been fantastic uh, this season. But uh, if Pear was to beat Murray there on centre court, uh, I would consider that a major, major surprise. Uh, the other two remaining matches, we have got Rafa Nadal. Um, the powerhouse. I think he's the Wimbledon favourite up until this point. He's playing the lefty Jules Muller. Muller having his best season on tour thus far. He's got a beautiful left-handed serve and he has the game on the grass to trouble Nadal. He must serve big. He must get a lot of free points on that serve and he must uh, he must serve the lights out and, and be attacking, getting in as much as possible because um, Nadal's been nothing short of uh, phenomenal up until uh, in, in his first three rounds. He's hitting the ball as hard as ever, with as much velocity as ever. His movement is as explosive as ever. He's looking bigger, stronger, more confident. He looks like he's, uh, he's hitting the ball so much harder than anybody else from the back of the court, but he's not only hitting it with so much more velocity, but the control and the spin, uh, the combination of the control, the spin, the power... Um, the uh, it's all there, it's all there. And Muller tonight, uh, he may be having his best season on tour thus far, but tonight he is going to feel the the full wrath of Nadal, and uh, expect Nadal to get through that one there. And last but not least, Roger Federer is taking on Grigor Dimitrov. Talk about two of the best athletes going around on tour. We know Dimitrov comes from fantastic stock. He's probably underachieved up until this point in his career. No slam titles to his to his name. A couple of semi-finals. He has made the semi-finals here before a few years ago, and we all know the damage he created at the Australian Open this year, where he took Nadal to five sets uh, in an absolute classic match there in the semi-finals. Um, and he's, he's steamrolled his way through the draw till this point here to where he plays Roger Federer and, and Federer and Dimitrov tonight. Obviously, the advantage, I think, goes to Federer. He's been feeling a little bit under the weather. He, he has to play... Has to play uh, his best tennis to get through tonight uh, because Grigor is in peak condition, peak form. And when he is, you really have to play your best tennis to, uh, to, to, beat, uh, to beat Grigor because he is uh, definitely a world-class talent. So there you have it. Some, uh, we're into the round of 16. We're into the second week. It's exciting. Wimbledon's second week doesn't get any better but you, I mean you take a look at those matchups so look at those matchups there and the one on paper that jumps out is is the Federer and Dimitrov match it's uh it doesn't get any better than that for uh, for spectators and fans to watch those two uh go toe to toe hopefully Roger can can get through we're looking for uh the Federer Nadal dream final and I'm sure Wimbledon uh the Wimbledon, um, the Wimbledon spectators and and also the uh, the organisers are looking for that as well. So, geez, he's got his work cut out though. Dimitrov, 
Possible, Zverev, Raonic, Novak, and then Nadal. It's, uh, it is a huge mountain to climb, and it starts tonight for the great Roger Federer. But that's a, that's a match not to be missed. Dimitrov, Federer. It should be a beauty. And today's show's been a beauty, I think, without a doubt. It's, it's been action-packed. We've had all kinds of stuff. We've had the AFL... We've, uh, we've had uh, contracts going berserk over in the States, Summer League, and Wimbledon, second week starting. It is all going on. It's been, uh, <clears throat> it's been a fun show. So tomorrow we'll have results, Wimbledon results. We'll have more NBA, and we'll have another action-packed show here at No Holds Barred. It's been great. It's been fun. We'll see you on tomorrow's program. She's so good, 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 she's so good,